Hey, 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 welcome back to the I Teach podcast. I'm Jamila. And I'm Tamika. This month, we're going to be focused on the big one. I mean, the big, big one. That is standardized testing. But before we begin, I want to start with the story. So as Georgia knows it now, we take a test called the Georgia Milestones. But previous to the Georgia Milestones test was a test, a standardized test called the um, CRCT. Um, And I want to lead back to an excerpt from 2015 that is known as um, the Atlanta cheating scandal. And there is a um, a portion of the Washington Post that I want to read before I get into my story. It says, and I'm quoting from the Washington Post, which was posted um, April 1st, 2015. An Atlanta jury convicted 11 teachers of racketeering and other crimes in a standardized test cheating scandal believed to be the worst of a wave of test cheating in nearly 40 states and Washington, D.C. Not by students, but by teachers and administrators who were under pressure to meet certain score goals and requirements or risk san- san- or risk sanction, excuse me, if they failed. And so I um, was a classroom teacher at the time when this happened. And being that I taught the testing grades, third, fourth, and fifth, mostly third and fifth in my um, career in the classroom, I'm, I'm just thinking back to that time when the CRCT and even with the Georgia milestones, those testing, uh, we had those testing windows like we have in the spring. And so, um, although I never taught in Atlanta public schools, being um, a teacher in the suburban Atlanta area, um, I know that many teachers in other school districts that are that were surrounded by APS and even in the state of Georgia were affected by this cheating scandal. And it could even go back to before the scandal even came out. Um, the Washington Post quoted the pressure that was put on teachers and administrators for high stakes testing, um, where as I can relate to that, because when you are responsible for moving your students and, dri- and um, driving the data to show improvement with the students, that is a pressure. However, what would lead teachers and administrators to have so much pressure that they would be willing to cheat to get those test scores? Um, that's something that we can have a whole nother podcast on, I'm quite sure. But coming from a teacher's perspective, I know that that particular incident had a great effect on us afterwards. Um, some things that I can remember as a teacher is we got indirect consequences. Like they, they, um, we would prepare our students with instruction for the whole year. Um, and then when it came time for testing, we'd have to switch teachers into other, other rooms. So the students that you had prepared all year, the ones that, that you knew and you were comfortable with, you didn't get to test those students. They got a whole new teacher during that week of testing. Um, it was it was such a tense moment, even with reporting irregularities. Uh, I remember that there was pressure on us that even if we were in the room and we saw that the other proctor that was with us was doing something inappropriate or that we were doing something inappropriate, we were pressured to, like with our jobs being on the line, if we did not report even the slightest irregularities. And I can recall a time when I was doing a testing window week and one of the proctors that was in the room with me, she was continuing to go over to a student and telling that student, um, go back and do that. You didn't read that. You didn't. And that was kind of like a no-no after that APS cheating scandal type of thing. And so um, 
the teacher and I, you know, I, I kind of tried to tell her, you know, just let him be. She wanted to hold a conversation in the middle of the testing. I ended up having to report it as an irregularity because it kind of almost got heated in there. But I know that it was just from the tensions that we had with, you know, um, with the cheating scandal. Um, we were watched very closely. If a student ended up getting off track for during the testing window, they would want to know why, because it would lead to high erasures for them to have to go back and, and fix the section. And they want to know why we didn't catch it, because if we were proctoring or monitoring them, um, that that should have been caught. It was just a whole nother window or can of worms open because we were being watched closely as if we were the ones that had cheated. And you so- know. Tamika, listen to your story, like really genuinely brought back so many almost terrible memories, kind of, because I remember right before the APS scandal, I was in the classroom and luckily I'm a primary grades person, but I also, I am certified to teach pre-K through five. And so that moment that you're talking about even switching, where now I was required as a primary grades teacher to go to somebody else's classroom and proctor the test from that is, first of all, that's stressful on the kids. It's a whole different environment from who they're yes. used to. Your style is different. It's so many things that make that even testing environment in general different, as well as the whole proctoring thing. I was, I remember being petrified, honestly, the yes. first time I had to um, administer one of these standardized tests because it was really like, oh my gosh, did I do this? But did you do that? But did you think about this? Did you say that? But did, it was, it's a lot. And I know it sounds minute on the teacher side, but when you're really in that situation, especially if you're a newer teacher or you don't usually teach testing grades, and even outside of that, if you're in a classroom full of kids, you might have kids that usually have certain behavior things where you, you know, you have yes. to make sure you address this kid in this way. I, had, I actually had one time where. I addressed the kid and uh, over just, hey, let's put our cell phones. You're not in trouble. Let's just put our cell phones in the bag. And that that was a humongous issue. <laughs> I mean, it, it brought admin down and everything over yes. asking them to put it in. So you you brought up some, you really sparked some <laughs> some memories, memories exactly. about that whole testing experience. And, and if you may recall, um, the window, you had so many minutes before the test where you could pick up and then so many minutes after that test had to be turned in. Whereas in the past, we could have done like back in the ITBS days or before this even happened, you could test your students, have your materials at the back of the room and turn it in at the end of the day when you're walking your students up for dismissal. No, not anymore. It's like you had to have those tests turned in. It was just like everything just got under everybody was under pressure so i can imagine what the teachers would have been like in aps where they had another set of standards that they had to meet in order to um to make ayp or adequate yearly progress is what they called it and so um in in looking at some of the um documentaries and things that have that i've watched even since the scandal i know that one principal described how if your school made ayp the superintendent of APS at the time would rent out the, the Georgia Dome. And if you're um, that all the schools that made AYP would get to sit on the floor and it's the schools that didn't make AYP would have to sit up in the nosebleed. So that oh, was a humiliating experience. I didn't know that. Yes. Yes. I was like in awe when I found out wow. that some of the things. So um, this particular principal who was one of the ones that did admit to, but he did, um, uh, he, ple he pled out. So he didn't get as much time as some of the other um, teachers did, but he said that he basically orchestrated the cheating because he did. He never wanted to be that humiliated again, sitting up in the nosebleed section. And wow. so he said, although he didn't really do it directly, he knew what was going on, and he didn't do anything to stop it because 
it was the humiliation and the pressure of losing your job, um, um, of being humiliated in front of the whole district. So those are some things that, wow. yeah. So, this so you was, know, yeah. That's as as I do want to put this disclaimer out here. Here at I teach, we do not condone cheating. Let's let's be clear about exactly. that. Let's make that crystal clear. We absolutely, you know, do not condone cheating. In, you know, in any way, shape, or form. This we're just talking about that conversation, just to kind of give some backstory as to the high stakes of these tests in general. So that was 2015. Well, when 2015, when the um, you know convictions happened and the articles and stuff came out. But what, like, when we're thinking about it today, like, what does testing look like today? So you and I have been out of the classroom for just. A uh, you know, for a little bit, but yeah. when we're thinking about, you know, what does testing look like today? I know we talked about some of those um, irregularities that can happen because a lot of that came about with the whole APS scan in terms of how we can have testing irregularities and things like that. You also have all these testing accommodations for students, which goes into what I was talking about. I, at the time, that child didn't have a specific testing accommodation, but um, there were accommodations that needed to be made. Um, we just didn't exactly. think about test prep. That in itself is its own conversation. Yeah, te test prep is seriously like a whole second half of the school year event from January. And this is, um, you know, it's a little bit different in the pandemic because that's a whole other conversation. But from January on, it's like, all right, go time. What standards have we not covered? How do we need to cover it? Make sure we cover for the school. You know, make sure we... Um, get the students ready. If the schools, again, pre-pandemic was a lot of actual, the schools I was at were Title I schools and they needed help with getting students even familiar with the computers and the devices. Like, because now, you know, they have this test where it's no longer paper and pencil bubble, Christmas tree and hope for the best. Like now it's, okay, let's, you know, fill in these answers, explain your why, it's highlighting, in the computer and things like that. And at the time, a lot of students didn't have those computer skills that were even needed, um, especially in these low income schools to be able to just do well on the on a basic test, much less, you know, the actual um, intensity, right, of, of, of standardized tests of like the GMAS that we have now. So it's so different, like testing today just looks definitely different than when I remember it, you know, from when I was in school or when I first started teaching. Exactly. And think about this when you talk about how it looks so different and using the computers back in the days when the CRCT was taken, that was a mostly multiple choice test. And so now you have the Georgia milestones where you're not only having to use the computers, you're having to know how to um, to give different answers. So it, it's a combination of the short answers, the long writing portions, um, the multiple choice, citing your evidence. It is more of a combination. There are different ways for students to show what they've learned, but it's like and with the the instance of it still being timed if they don't know how to be comfortable on that computer that's going to add to the nervousness that's already there from them having the test so Absolutely. even the testing now is different Absolutely. and so you know yeah. but you know again we that's we're still talking even pre-pandemic because i do think a lot of kids mm -hmm. now with you know as much computer time of they as they've had that part might be gone but just when yeah. I think about pandemic, I'm genuinely trying to think about what this can look like. Like, what can this look like if you have half your students at home where mom and dad, you know, may be there helping or not, you know, um, meaning that they don't even have an adult to assist with getting in the right place. Not not even to say that, oh, their parents are going to help them do tests. That's this whole another entity. But just your parents even being there to in order to help you, you know, parents are working and stuff like that. Yeah. Or, okay, so is that 
um, you know, a, a little bit later, I guess we'll talk about, is that even equitable? I don't want to go too far into that part, but it just makes me think about logistically, like if you have half your students at school physically face-to-face, -face, you know, maybe 10 kids in a class, 15 kids in a classroom, half of them on a computer taking, you know, well, virtually taking the test. I just wonder like logistically, what could that look like? Well, what I've experienced from, because my son has had to take a milestones this year. And what I've experienced is they are not allowing you to take those standardized tests at home. So oh. if you, even if you are a virtual student, you have to, for that testing window, get up and get to that school building. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. So when you think about the, when you think about equity, I was thinking to myself pre-pandemic, how is it that we're all held accountable for a standardized test at the end of the year when teaching throughout the year is not standardized? Yes, we yeah. have standards that yeah. we're supposed to teach, but you can walk into any given classroom at any different school in the state of Georgia and teaching was not standardized. It's going to be different. So it's like you've been able to teach in a method of your own way throughout the year, but then you're measured by a standardized test at the end of the year. So right. to me, that was kind of off. So now that we're in pandemic, I'm wondering how is this going to work? These students are literally in different environments and then they yeah. have to come back in a standardized environment to take wow. a standardized test. That so. They have not done at this point, literally in a whole year. Yeah. Like for some kids, they have not stepped foot in. They've never met some of these teachers face to face, which goes back into my whole concept of having to <laughs> facilitate a test for kids I've never met before. It's, it's already just, I feel like, it's um, very nerve wracking in general, but that's interesting that they have to go back in the school building. I mean, I guess in theory for it to be at least equitable in terms of parents not helping them, they would have to, but I, wow, that's, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was the logistics yes. behind with it happening. There's in this whole thing, we've been talking about testing this, this whole time. What is the actual purpose? That is a great question. I mean, yeah. yes, realign exactly. that. <laughs> what yeah, is the whole purpose of all yeah. of this? We know that the, the standardized tests like the, the CRCT and, and the now Georgia Milestones, we know that they stem from the No Child Left Behind uh, with the Bush administration and the race to the top, which um, President Obama later um, initiated in or piggybacked on from that. Um, so that standardized testing where everybody in, in, the, um, in the country has to have some form, I know that that stemmed from that federal um, legislation that came about. But, but you know, like... In, in general, like, I mean, that's where it stemmed from, you know, but really when we look at testing or data in general, it really most of the time should be more so formative. Yes, you have your summative to say, all right, you've done this all year, show me what you know. I get it, absolutely. Um, but a lot of that data is formative data so that we can just go through the year and I can know, okay, here is where Johnny is. Here's what I can do to kind of um, assist him where, he, you know, he or she is at the time and let it drive my actual instruction. If we started using data and testing for that purpose for real, yes. then we, we could see a lot of change. We could see a lot of movement because then your focus is not on, oh my gosh, we have to get this test. Da, 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 da. Now it's the CCRPI scores, the this, the, that, the, that. You can be focused on, okay, where are you? based on this assessment and formative assessments don't have to necessarily be, you know, paper, pencil, as I call Christmas tree type um, activities exactly. where you can just bubble it down. Those can be all sorts of different ways so that you can collect the data. Absolutely. 
you know, you do get summative assessments um, towards the end so that you can say, okay, we've done it all. What do you know? But that's yeah. still, that data still should really go towards really even the, you know, the following school year in terms of your next teacher or, you know, if you're still in the same grade or whatever, but so that that teacher can then drive instruction to know this is where the child is and this is how I can help best fit this child. And I feel like we've just yeah. gotten so far away from that overall, that, um, that overarching purpose to begin with. Which is learning. And, and the thing is, what are, what are we really doing in the classroom now? Seems like we're teaching to a test whether, yeah. rather than teaching or, or allowing for learning to occur. Because let's face it, if the stakes are so high based on a test score, there's going to come a time when that teacher's like, I'm teaching to this test because this test is what they're measuring me and what they're measuring you on. And then the whole thing is it could just really, it, it, it's not that it could, it does. It waters down the learning process to the point where it's like, you want to be cookie cutter and then when when you get a student into the real world they they want someone to lead them and guide them like that their, their critical thinking skills things like yeah. that they'll suffer at the hands of trying to prepare or teach to a test right completely you know? agree so then like when we're thinking about it what what can teachers do so we're here you know our um, superintendent our georgia state superintendent he has put in two calls for actions now in terms of trying to get us out of at least testing for this year because there's so many inequities in um, regards to this pandemic and testing and what it is that we're really doing. Is it even like, what is the purpose? Um, but as long as that um, request is not, you know, approved, what is it that teachers can do? Like what, what are the next steps? What are some things they can do to kind of help through this whole pandemic? Um, even the students, we probably should even think about that. Like, in terms of students and not stressing them out. It's just, what what to do? I think that, you know, that's that's kind of a hard one to think about because- I agree, I <laughs> want them to actually have the strategies that they need to be able to answer any type of question or being able to go back and, and find the information. Um, that's really hard in this pandemic because a lot of times you don't know what they're doing on the other side of the screen. You can continue to give them uh, rich learning experiences. You can continue to um, show them how to advocate for themselves. You can continue to hold them accountable for their learning. But in a situation like this, uh, all we can say is thanks for the teachers that are doing the best that they can, which is the, any teacher that's getting up trying to at least work during this yes. pandemic, you know, um, and just continue to push out instruction virtually as best they can or simultaneously as some teachers have students in the room and they're trying to teach on the computer as well. Um, I, I honestly don't even have some great next steps for how to work because being in this situation alone is hard. Right, absolutely. Then having to focus on um, preparing for a standardized test. I do and think so one thing you said though, um, going back, just remembering the app, the actual purpose is learning, mm -hmm. you know? So while we have to do currently, you know, something may change, but while we have to do this standardized test at the end of the year during this pandemic, which quite frankly, probably doesn't seem fair to anybody I know, 
Um, right. Even learning at the focus, I think that teachers and students should feel most accomplished with that. If you are able to see growth this school year, if no other school year, because I'm big on growth anyway, but if yeah. no other school year, this school year should definitely be defined by growth on the student's part and therefore growth on, you know, you have provided growth towards, uh, you have helped to provide growth for that student. I really think that's going to have to be the focus is focusing on the learning. So there's so many <laughs> components to this test, you know, yeah. like you talked about in terms of students having to come in face to face. Now you have more kids, but then you have the social distance, but you have this. Da, da, da. I mean, it's a lot of components. So I think if we get back to the core of why we're even in school, why we're doing any of this to really focus on the learning and to focus on that growth, I think that teachers should feel accomplished um, if you're able to see that this school year, which I'm sure you will be because you know, teachers have been working super hard. Teachers yeah. and quite frankly, parents, parents have been very involved this school year, probably more than ever, have given tons of accolades to teachers. Like, I don't know how you've been able to do it. So hats off to the teachers, hats off to the um, at, to the parents, hats off to the students, hats off to administrators because yeah. this, they're in a world as well themselves that they've never had to deal with. So really hats off to everybody in the world of education that's doing their thing right now. And I think we should just make sure that we keep learning at the focus as really it should be every year, quite frankly, pandemic or not, but for sure this year, keep learning at the focus, look for that growth and just know that you've done a job well done if that's what you're able to accomplish. Yes. And you know what? I know that we said it was a hard question for us to answer, but what if we, for those that are listening to um, this podcast, if especially the teachers that are out there that are listening, what if we have a call to action where we get some feedback from you? Um, whether where we could get some feedback. I know what podcast is usually a one-way listen, but what if we put something out there to just ask, what are you doing to help prepare for testing? Or how are you doing? The, how are you preparing yourself if testing has to go forward in this pandemic? I can totally agree with that. Maybe yeah. we should drop it on Twitter, actually. Yes. Yeah, so you guys catch it on Twitter. Yes. KSUI Teach on Twitter. and Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. Well, like that. this was one very interesting podcast, at least for me. <laughs> and me so, too. <laughs> what I can say is from all of us working on season six here at the Kennesaw State University I Teach team, thank you sincerely for listening. And if you'd like more resources, check out our resource hub at ksuiteach.org or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or even YouTube. If you'd like to get in touch with us directly, check it out. Check us out at iteach.kennesaw.edu. Thanks again. Thanks again. Bye. Bye.